mamas gave us till we couldn't shake no more. We got down on our knees when cancer knocked at our door. We got kicked in the ass. We gave lots of sass. Oh, when it rains, it falls into this half full glass. Oh, thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Victories in the dark. Hi, I'm Mimi Hall. And I'm Leanna House. And you're listening to Thanks Cancer. We are two cancer friends. And we're not doctors. We're not nurses. We're not shrinks. We're not psychics. We're not shamans. No, and cancer's pretty hard, too. I mean, cancer's a little hard. You might hear some swearing words in the episode. And we hope you'll enjoy it. This is the podcast we wish that we had when we were going through our treatment. So, hey, Leanna. Hi, Mimi. I hear that we're going to talk about something really fun today yeah it's great work is great so we're talking about work we're talking about cancer and your career what happened yeah i mean what happened (laughs) yeah what happened a lot of different things can happen and there's no playbook to this which really frustrated me as someone who'd been a box ticker most of my life well you know and um, you spend so much of your life working and then all of a sudden you have something more important than work and that can be kind of kind of unsettling right yeah and when you're younger ish like you and i were you're usually in the ramp up part of your career and i was sort of re-ramping up after having gone through some career changes as partially as a function of having gone through divorce. I was getting my life back together and I felt like I'd just gotten my career back on the rails when I felt like it became derailed again, which felt super unfair, but that's life. And I'm not the only one who this has happened to for various reasons. No, Um, I think, I think this, this has happened to a lot of people, but how did you like, what was the diagnosis process like with work and how did you, how did you approach this with work? How did you tell them? Yeah, so I told my people in my immediate circle when I started to get the weird, well, I think right away when I found the lump, you know, I knew I was going to be getting an ultrasound and a mammogram. And I think I told my, the person who I immediately reported to me that that was going on. I don't know if I told anyone else. And I had to weirdly, I had to go on camera as a spokesperson on behalf of my company and our project. So right after my first mammogram and ultrasound, which I knew was bad. Okay. Like I knew, I knew I had a degree of cancer when I left that just by the inferences. Okay. Like it was like, oh, we're going to do a biopsy, but the inference was you're, you better brace yourself. Yeah. Okay. You know, it was just, there was a sense. So I, I basically like, I, that, that sucked. And can I, so that's actually, I guess that leads me into what later became my choice. My, my job was so high impact and there was so much going on because we were launching a project that it led me to realize I couldn't carry that torch. It was way too heavy for me to carry being sick. Right. So, cause I was extending at a certain limit. I was probably like I'd say I was working at 80% of my capacity when I got the diagnosis. Yeah. And there was no option of dialing it down to 40% or 50%. Well, I feel like that there's a lot of jobs you can't dial it down to 40 or 50% without, like, you can't do the job at 40 or 50%. 
Exactly, exactly. So what was it like for you? Where were you when you got your diagnosis? So like, how did you tell people? Like, how, how many people knew so, what was going on? So I had just gotten my dream job at Harvard with Ugh. an amazing lab, an amazing group, but it was... It was like I was operating at capacity, like because it it's the type of job that's really three jobs. You were like me. It was like you were in the in the highway of your career. Yes. So my my boss and my boss's boss were actually the first people I told about the cancer because I was supposed to be going into work. And instead I told them that I had cancer. Like right away I was off of work for a week or so. And then it's, I mean, it's so overwhelming and people can like pick up your slack for a little while, but you really have to, when you're in a high impact job, you have to figure out very quickly what your plan is and I'm already dealing with like what is my treatment plan what is my cancer plan I can't deal with what is the plan for this job that I just started six months ago that I'm still trying to figure out like that was that was very overwhelming and very Mm. unpleasant I just ended up I, I I cried a lot like not about cancer but about work and work stress like that was most of my that was most of my tears honestly through cancer yeah I get that and it's said that people who stay at work are happier I've heard statistics say that are they have better outcomes or something I mean it's considered more positive to stay at work I mean would you say that that was true for you I uh I mean, looking back, I wish that I would have taken more time off. So what I did is through chemotherapy, I took one day a week off of work and I was able to use like sick time and vacation time for that. And then I took six weeks off for a surgery and then another week off for my next surgery. And that's it. Like, I worked the rest of the time. And Mm. looking back, I think that I could have given myself more of a chance to heal or more of a chance to, like, process things or spend time with my family. Or looking back, I wish I wouldn't have pushed myself so hard because I don't think that was healthy. Like, on one level. So it's interesting. So I, so after I got diagnosed, I spoke to my director, I spoke to my president and, you know, my staff, my immediate staff. And then there was that brief period between like immediate diagnosis and game plan, right? There was like, I don't know, a four day period, something like that. And, you know, it became really clear that like, I just couldn't keep up with like the texting with all my appointments. Right. Like it was just, you know, so I, I'd met with HR and I had decided sort of like, okay, we're going to like, just go on short-term disability. Like right, 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 like right away. Right. Well, so I was getting on a trial, which meant that I had to be in a series of tests, which are rather unpleasant. Um, and time consuming. Like a lot of them. Like for anyone who doesn't yeah. know, cancer is a full-time job. Yeah. It is a full-time so, job. 
Yeah. And I was, you know, I was working on a really stressful project and there were a lot of balls in the air. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, so the final, the final thing that did it for me was this. I had gone ahead and texted and emailed my director, who, by the way, had been in the job for all of like, I think one or two weeks when I started the diagnosis process. Okay. So I feel really horrible about that. Mm-hmm. And we were launching a project a huge project with millions of donors dollars invested in it. You know, it was a lot. And, you know, I had emailed him and texted him saying, I'm going to need to go on leave. Mm -hmm. And he hadn't gotten it. And I was in the middle of getting a, um, a biopsy with an MRI to do the, you know, as part of just the general testing and also the getting into the trial for the medication that would ultimately like save my life. And I got a text that said, you know, where are you if you can't keep up with your work, you're gonna have to go on short-term disability. That's like a threat? Like threatening you? I don't know what it was, but I had already filed the message and I I felt super torn when I'd sent, I hit send on both the email and the text message. And then when I got that, you know, text message back and I was like, oh, if you just scroll up, like you'll see I already <laughs> said that. And he was, a, you know, he got it. He was just, you have to understand, like he'd been in his job for two weeks. Right. When I, like his main person for his main project right. that was in the spotlight at that moment yeah. was saying, I have to duck out. And it was so surreal. And I had to have a series of meetings where I passed the baton to various people. Yeah. And I had to say, okay, now I'm exiting stage left for chemo. Yeah. And that's... And it was bizarre. Well, and it's really hard to do. Like, it's really hard to, like, or what I had the biggest problem with was, like, organizing all of this brand new stuff and packaging it in a way that I could say, okay, I'm handing this off to you. I'm handing this off to you. And it's also, like, there isn't an extra person that's not doing anything. So... Like, in a lot of cases, they can't absorb your job, but they have to, you know? And they can't say no because you've left because of cancer. It's not like you've got the flu or some chronic fatigue syndrome or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, you've you've got the worst case scenario. And so at the same time, though, I think it was like you have to know how much your load is, right? Because I couldn't rightfully leave people with as much of a load as I was carrying as really a leader for part of a flagship project. If I'd been more part of a team, I think I could have felt better about that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And about the breaks I needed to take. One, One of the factors with me was I didn't want to leave my job because, like, I need insurance, right? Like, you need insurance, so you have to, like, figure it out. Well, you know, but the thing is, like, you go on COBRA, and then, so you get discounted insurance for a year and a half, and then you can go on Mass um, Massachusetts Healthcare, which you know at the time when I went on it was really good. It still is really good, so that's an option too. But here's the thing: I think this is really part of it. it what it really comes down to is how much money do you have saved? Because I had, I knew that I had about two years to burn that I'd put away for just like the worst case scenario. It was exactly the reason you should always have two years worth of savings. 
in your bank account. And I had short-term disability and I had long-term disability. So short-term disability is like six weeks, right? Before you can get on long-term Some, disability? Yeah, three months, I want to say. Yeah, something like that. Six weeks, three months. Oh, okay. Years. And then long-term disability, how long does that last usually? Okay, so that is, so that's subjective. So long-term disability kicks in after short-term disability. You have to go through like an application process with it. It's pretty painstaking. It's not complicated. It's just lots of data and they talk to everyone and there's a huge delay with getting you your money. Well, so, and hu- human resources is pretty good with helping you out with short-term disability in my experience. Were they helpful with long-term disability? I don't know. I think they could have been behind the scenes quite possibly. Okay. I was in the midst of surgery and cancer treatment when that was kicking in. Okay. So I may not even remember. I mean, I did some talking back and forth with human resources. Not a lot, you know what I mean? And it all seemed to work out. Now, when they take you off of disability, they, they're they basically trying to get you off disability from day one. Well, because, because it's, you're costing them money. Correct. Yeah. And they're like, no, you can get back to work like two weeks after chemo ends. <laughs> like, what? I have no hair. So, you know, I got off of it. They also ask you to apply to Social Security to see if you can get that. So there's this whole process that you get involved in through that. And it just, here's what I would say at the end of it all. I was able to take time off because I had savings. But I burnt through all my savings. So that sucks. You know what I mean? But luckily I had it to burn through. And I'm super, super grateful for that. And I did not have two years of savings. I mean, I could have. I could have. Who does? I don't know. I mean, you did, apparently. I I did because I, well, I did. And Leanna, let's be, I'm just going to, let me just say this because I think it's really important to be honest. Okay. I had two years of savings as a function of a benevolent ex-husband who did a very fair divorce settlement with me. And I socked that money away in case something like this happened. Do you know what I mean? And I I knew like if anything happened, I needed to be self-sufficient and I, as much as possible. And I knew I needed to keep paying my mortgage for this house, which is a big investment. So like that was, that's, that let's just, I just want to be real about that because I don't want to act as if I've got it all figured out. If I were supporting only myself and you know, my, my ex-husband had some wealth, you know what I mean? So I, I had some money to sock away. So let's just be real about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and for me, I didn't have the money saved. So if I would have left my job, I would have had to like move in with family and everyone's out in Utah. So that means that I have to change doctors. That means I have to figure out how to do insurance without working. Like for me, it seemed like it was almost easier to keep working. Like I had to figure out less things if I kept working. And what does my company have, you know, all of these benefits for if I'm not using them? Harvard can afford to pay for my disability. And there are disability rights, too. I mean, that's one of the things that it's funny. I never, ever thought about it applying to me. And suddenly to think like, oh, disability rights apply to me. Like, that's very interesting. You know what I mean? It is very interesting when suddenly you deserve to keep your job if you can, if you can do it. 
Although I imagine for you, let me ask you, like, was it difficult? Because you're someone who I think is, I work with you. Uh, you're our producer and you are a perfectionist and that's why you're so good at it. Was it very hard for you not to be able to work at that 80 to 90 to 100 percent and to have to ratchet down? during this time? I would say that for the first six months of my diagnosis, work was hard. No, I, you know what? I'll say that eight months, eight months into cancer, my work was harder than cancer. A hundred percent. Like I would not cry about cancer. Like I cried a couple of times, but like I would cry all the time about work all the time because I couldn't. Do you remember that other people said that in our support group too? That they that was the theme that they cried all the time at work. It seemed to me the people who continued with work, their main issue was work, not cancer. Yeah, and those of us that weren't working, our main issue was cancer. Yeah, and I guess for me, when you met me, it was getting back to work yeah. too. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I. <sighs> I mean, I wish that I could have had a job where I could have taken it down to like 40 or 50 um, because that not being an option was like I've heard other people like I think Allie had a job where she could work like 20 hours a week or they they like worked with her very, very well. Um, I... I remember asking a couple of ways to split my job in half and it just was never an option. Right. And so... I, instead of doing 40% of my job really well, I did 90% of my job terribly. And I don't, I, yeah. I, I guess I shouldn't even say it was terrible because honestly, in the middle of chemo, I put together the most complicated grant of my career. The most mm-hmm. complicated grant of my career. And it like destroyed my soul. I'm not gonna lie, like I was up until two o'clock in the morning putting together files and then I would wake up at 4 a.m. and the whole time I was crying. I cried for like three weeks straight and I remember my sister, my sister came to visit me with her stepdaughter over like one of my non-chemo weekends and like I enjoyed it and we went out and did stuff but honestly I was working like almost the whole time. I was working and I was crying and I remember my sister came into my room as I was because her and her daughter were watching TV but I I like couldn't sit down and laugh and giggle with them because like I had this whole huge thing hanging over my head and my sister like put my head in her lap and was like Leanna this is not worth it and like I knew this was not worth it but like I had asked like, I cannot do the most complicated grant of my career when I'm going through chemo. And we had two of those grants that they were able to, like, put on someone else. But when a third came through, like, I had to do it. And, like, I Ugh. guess I could have quit or I guess I could have been like, fuck you guys. But, like, at the same time, these are people that I'm working with and, like, I don't want to let anyone down sounds so dumb but like I don't want to let anyone down and I want to help these people succeed but it was like seriously three weeks straight crying all the time 
we mm. we got like it was a successful application like we got the money the i don't know how many millions so i i don't want to say that i didn't do a good job because i think that i like kicked ass but it destroyed my soul like for a while right Right. I mean, I feel like, so it's interesting. Like, I feel like the launch of my program went really, really well, you know, in the midst of my diagnosis happening, like simultaneous, which sucked for everyone. Yeah. But it had fallout. You know, there were ripple effects for sure. Yeah. With other people who knew me. I think it affected a lot of my work relationships. I think there were some people who didn't know what was going on and didn't you know, maybe we're kind of like judgy in certain ways because they did not know what was going on and there's no way they could have appropriately, but then like they found out what was going on and they felt bad. Well, and oh my God, people are going to judge. It's awful. And you... But they didn't know. I mean, they didn't know at the time. Like they didn't know what they were judging. Like, and I didn't know what they were judging. You know, like there was just stuff going on that was like beyond them. Like I couldn't, I couldn't come out and say, oh, well, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm in the middle of going through biopsies. Like, I had to wait until I knew that I had cancer to tell them. Right. And it was just awful. It was really awful because there were some exchanges prior to it coming out that were not pleasant. And, you know, there were certain people in the room who knew what was going on and they were just like, oh, no. <laughs> Well, I, it, I did. It was awful. That's one of the reasons I had to extract myself. I just had to extract myself. I was like, I can't, I can't deal with all these weird social interactions well, in addition to everything other else. other people's emotions, how people react to your cancer. Like, I can Obviously. barely handle that in, like, a personal setting, but, like, in a professional right. setting, it's, like, this whole nother yeah. level of, like, weirdness. Although, I will say totally. that I loved having it as a trump card, because I had one yes. guy who said to me... But, you know, he couldn't do what he was supposed to do because he had, like, sprained his foot and he was at the hospital all weekend. And I'm like, I have mm-hmm. motherfucking cancer and I did what yeah. I was supposed to do. So don't use your oh, bullshit excuses right on me. Now. I Dude, I feel that way so much right now in Bikram class. I'm just back. I'm three days back, bitches. And I'm, like, fierce. And I'm just like, yeah. If, I just had breast surgery. Do you want to ask me more? <laughs> I'll talk. I mean, but you... Just crushed it while you took, like, five breaks. What's going on? Did, no, um, did you no, do but... Bikram teaching throughout treatment? No. Oh, my God, no. So I was... Um, it's interesting. I was let go from the studios before I got a cancer diagnosis, like, I, because I wasn't able to teach. I was so caught up in the market project that I wasn't able to teach more than one class a week, and they wanted people to teach more than one class a week. So I was like, okay. They were sort of consolidating their studios. I was like, sure, I'll just be a student. And so I was a student consistently, and um, for probably about a year and a half leading up to my diagnosis, maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more, and then it was like after my cancer treatment that just surprisingly the studio owner reached out to me and said, hey, do you want to come back to teaching a class? We'd love to have you just teach one class a week. And I went back to teaching my Friday night classes, which I thought was awesome. I did not keep teaching. I could not have. And I think I just want to say as a cautionary tale, I think it's a real reason for especially our creative folks, our independent folks, our you know entrepreneur folks. You must have this thing called cancer insurance. I didn't know it existed. I didn't know it existed it. either. 
Yep, it exists. So they pay out a lot. They pay out like immediately cash money. If you pay in a small amount every single year, they'll pay you out whatever amount you're willing to pay into probably. So if you're at high risk and you have cancer in your family, it's definitely something to look into. I'm sorry, I think I said Aetna, I meant Aflac. I know that Aflac has it. I don't know about other insurances, but preventative insurance is a thing. And also disability, like I had, it was through my company and I will warn you, it only pays out about 40% after taxes of what you used to make. I mean, I do think that that depends. Like my short-term disability was 80% of my paycheck. That's short-term. Yes. You're talking about long-term? Long-term is different. Yeah. It can be different. You you just, it's it's one of those details I never looked at, I never thought about. I, didn't even, I don't even know if I knew that I had disability insurance, yeah, to be my, completely honest. My long I don't think term I did was I 60, it. I think. But yeah, it's... Yeah, but it's, then after taxes, but if taxes aren't taken out of it ahead of time, then you're looking at a 20% deduction because of taxes, depending on your bracket. So it's just, it's one of these things you don't think about, but here's what I have to say. Everyone should have their own disability insurance. Everyone should have their own disability insurance, if you're, especially if you're creative, especially what got me going on this, if you're a yoga teacher or something like that, because you will not be able to work at all during your treatment if you are a physical person. Yeah, if you, you have just, a physical you, job. No, if I was, if I, look, there's no way I could support myself in Boston. I haven't figured that out yet. Um, Teaching Bikram without a wealthy husband, okay? I stopped teaching Bikram as soon as I thought that maybe we'd be getting a divorce. So um, there's no way I found a way to do it without a benefactor. However, um, if you have any kind of physical job and you figure out a hack to make it work without being a prostitute of some sort, Excuse me. Um, <laughs> you can edit that out. I mean, no, we're keeping it in. To. I'm the editor. I mean, whatever. But like, it is true. Like, if you if you don't have a so Th- thanks, cancer does not advocate being a sex worker to pay for your cancer bills. Fine. Let's say this: if you don't have a benefactor of some sort, and you figured out a hack to be a physical fitness instructor. <laughs> then you should have insurance and you should prioritize it. You should have disability insurance and you should have a very rich policy because it doesn't even matter if you twist your ankle really badly, honestly. You know, to go to that earlier reference, like you need to like be protected because it's serious and you may never be able to get back to work. Yeah. Ever. Well. Again, I mean, I couldn't teach more than, I mean, in the beginning, so until like honestly like when I got back to teaching it would have taken me a solid like two years after treatment to get back to teaching at the level I could have taught before treatment with Bikram. Okay. Thank God it's not my primary source of income. And how long were you in between your day jobs? Oh that's much more to the point. So okay so I left mine in November, December of 2015. And then I got back to work in 2017. So I got back to work, yeah, in 2017. I started out part-time. I got a role part-time because I felt that it was responsible. I wasn't sure how it was going to work. And I'm very glad I started out part-time. I would highly recommend it. It was a consulting gig. And I knew it was going to be, yeah, I knew it was going to be six to nine months. 
and 20 hours a week and you could kind of not set your own hours but there was a lot of flexibility there was flexibility yeah i mean i i didn't overly utilize the flexibility but it was there if i needed it and that i really appreciated yeah yeah so that was good and then i actually reached out to cancer and careers so they're at cancerandcareers.org and they helped me revamp my resume as i was transitioning from that part-time consultancy gig ending into a full-time job which i'm in now did did you find that helpful like they're yeah i did i did i found it good i mean it was they basically just had a resume reviewer do work for free and that was very appreciated and it improved my resume and i got a role shortly thereafter and do do um, they talk about how to couch your absence like what to say about your cancer absence you know they didn't get too into the details they talked so in this case the service that i used was specifically about resumes there's other hacks and tips on the website you know in the end liana i used this podcast as an icebreaker to tell people do you Mm -hmm. yep so that is very much you know it's something I talk about I talk I didn't have it on my resume um when I interviewed for this last job it's now up like I've now like added it to my resume and my LinkedIn and all of that stuff but to me it's like an icebreaker and it basically is a way of saying hey look I have had cancer this is how I'm dealing with it and if you don't like it keep walking and if you're interested let's talk you know what I mean it's it, it is yeah, it is I mean, a good litmus test, and it's also a good way. I think that if you can talk about your cancer in a in a positive way to connect it as your so I interviewed for jobs. I like switched jobs in the middle of cancer treatment, which I would not recommend if you do not no, have that to was switch right when jobs. I met you. Yep, but. I interviewed at Dana-Farber, which is where I was treated, and I didn't disclose to everyone I interviewed with, but someone, one of the people that I interviewed with asked me why I wanted to work at Dana-Farber, because in my field, there's a lot of turnover, because, I mean, some of it, some of the job is pretty tedious, and some of it's, like, really hard, and... And grant writers are always in demand, too, especially in places like Boston. Yeah, so I told her that I really believed in the mission of Dana-Farber because I was treated there and I was, I wanted to be a part of what they were doing. And so that was like, if you can bring up cancer in like a positive way, like this Mm -hmm. is what, I mean, it sounds so dumb, like be positive, but like what you're doing with the podcast is, you know, taking something that happened and, you know, kind of giving back to the community or, you know, a lot of people do fundraising or. Well, I think for me, so I'll just, so I'll tell you, I mean, I stay on brand, Leanna, you know, marketing person here. And I talk about, I'm like, it's about victories in the dark. Yeah. We talk about making it positive and I'm, you know, we're well, and it's our way of giving back. So I think that right there just summarizes so much about someone, right? Just telling, telling people always the story of what you do rather than like who you are, like trying to explain it somehow. It's always the way to go. Just like talk about what you do, yeah, you know, and what, how you deal with it. And I think that's something that people, and also it it just gives them a chance to, to like, just go ahead and check it out and see if they like your personality, (laughs) you know, but, but I'm not saying that everyone should have a podcast, but I do think, well, so here's the question is like, should you be open? And I guess the question is that's up to you. Um, I, I mean, I guess I have the kind of arrogance to say, look, if you don't want to be part of my party, that's fine. 
Yeah. Keep going. Well, and I, if I you would don't. You have to be sensitive. I would say be as open as you can, as open as you want to be. I think that there are some things that I mean. I think it's better to be open just because you will help other people because I'm open with what happened people will come to me for help or you know someone was diagnosed and if I wouldn't have been so open like one of my old bosses had a couple of people at her job young people who were diagnosed with cancer and she referred Mm -hmm. them to the podcast and like that Mm -hmm. would never have happened they wouldn't know about this resource if I wouldn't have been open so I think that part of why there isn't enough of a web of resources is because a lot of people aren't open with their diagnosis and I think that's totally fine like you do you but the more people that are open the more we can catch the newly diagnosed and the more like they will have a mentor you know I do I do know what you're saying and I feel the way you do now but I do just want to acknowledge I have had a like it is I have not always been here and when I started out I was very cautious and I did not want to tell a lot of people about what I was going through I didn't know how it was going to be received I didn't know if I wanted to be part of moving the dialogue forward by being open about it yeah I didn't know how I felt about it because I hadn't you know what I hadn't been through it yet and I, I for me this is me. I'm an experiential learner. And I think if that resonates for you, you may just have to go through this to figure out how you want to deal with it. Well, and, and that's why I think I chose isolation. And I think that's why I chose not working. Because I was like, I can't work through this with people around me. I have to go through this and then I have to figure out my moves from there. Like, that's me. Always. Well, you can always so, tell more people, but you can't always tell fewer people. That is so true. So, okay. So what are our, what are our protocols for this? Yeah. So I think I'll just start off by saying, I think cancer and careers is an awesome resource. So cancerandcareers.org, um, they're incredible and I would definitely suggest going to them and there's other resources out there as well, but I thought they were great to work with. Okay. I would say that you need to be really gentle with yourself. I told myself mm-hmm. all the time. I can only do what I can do. I am not going to be employee of the month. I am dealing with cancer. So I I don't know how successful I was being gentle with myself, but however gentle you were being with yourself, try a little bit more. Uh, And then I would say kind of like linking onto that too is like know yourself and know your job. So if you, you know, know your job to be really 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 demanding and super public or whatever and you know that like when I get sick I like to really be alone and isolate let that inform it and don't be informed by any celebrities or people who have staffs around them or multiple nannies and parents (laughs) and everything if you don't have that no that really messed with me I I saw models around me of people who were pushing through and I had a really good friend Laura who just always reminded me Mimi she has a staff of about 20 people working with her so please do not use her you know you're right and I would say like I had a really hard time not apologizing because I was so Mm -hmm. sorry I was sorry to like my co-workers Mm -hmm. I was sorry to my boss I was sorry like I was sorry for everyone else that my cancer affected 
I will say though, Leanna, I felt just as guilty and shameful for stepping out. So I think the guilt and shame may be inherent no matter what you do. Well, no, I, I, I think I think I think the guilt and shame is inherent no matter what you do. But what I'm saying is that. Or maybe it is just don't. to us. Let's be fair. Like there might be rare beasts out there that don't feel that, but I felt that, and you felt that, and we've heard that well, from a lot of other people too. I can't change how you feel, but I am telling you, whoever out there right now, like you, do not have to apologize. You do not have to apologize. No. You didn't choose this. You are not doing anything wrong. Like you, do not have to apologize. No, and you don't have to feel guilt or shame about checking out either. We, we absolve you. Thanks, cancer absolves you. Yeah, and ourselves. I mean, for all of our choices. I mean, you just make the best choice that you're confronted with in the moment. And it is one of the worst moments of your life. I mean, the fact that you get through it all is truly like, that is truly the miracle. I like, had, I had so just, written on my wall, I can only do the best I can. I can only do what I can do with the information I have. You know, it's so interesting. I got complimented on my yoga practice the other day. I took Jill's class, mm. the, stu- the former studio owner's class. Yeah. And she's like, thanks for holding it up in the front. And I was like, you know, I just can do the best I can. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's really because it's one of my themes, too. It's a new theme. It's a cute little, like, little girl kind of cute. But no, I get that. I think that's like a cancer survivor theme a little bit. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I'm just going to be able to do the best I can. Yeah. It's really wholesome and it's honest. I like it. It's just like, I'm just, I'm just doing the best I can. And oh my God, for anyone out there that's going through cancer and working, I'm so sorry. I wish I could give you a hug. Oh my God. And please don't cry all the time. Just, just like, like, I feel, I want work to like, I want companies to work with cancer like if you got a cancer diagnosis I think you should automatically be dropped to 20 hours a week or like have that option like because I could yeah, that's I could like have, not the way our government Leanna that is like so not the way our government and that's moving, not though, and you know the it. way I, that our companies right do anything because they like you're you're with the company because you're providing value to the company and they can't in a lot of cases they can't make your job 20 hours you know that's not how jobs work that's not how companies work I think things have to change too because I think here's what I suspect I suspect that cancer used to be a death sentence okay so when an employee got cancer it was kind of like oh great we might get another three months out of them before they have a recurrence and die and these these mores are set up you know decades for decades and then they're hard to change in so many ways but they do change and now a lot of us are surviving longer and I think this is another area that needs to be looked at and tweaked because now we've got long-term survivors who are ramping up process as a standard operational procedure like we're going to have this person committed this and this and this and this obviously we're open to discussion if things change but that's our procedure um this would be lovely. And I think some big organized companies have this. I think nonprofits like you and I work for small companies like you and I tend to work for just disorganized companies yeah. don't tend to have this, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's our last protocol is for the government and companies. They need to, like, do better at this shit. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's something to be said for keeping the cancer paths alive. But obviously, I'm going to be in that platform because... 
that's me. So. <laughs> All right. Well, do we have anything else to say about work and cancer? No, I just have, I guess I have to say you're going to find a lot of victories in that dark. I mean, there's a lot of dark to search. So there's bound there's to be some victories, victories in there. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be some victories too. And I found that like my work in some ways has gotten a lot easier after cancer because I have a lot of perspective and I had a bit of a break myself. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, Refresh. you can, it's so much better on the other side. You just have to get there. Yeah. Just keep pushing, just keep pushing through and know that if you're in the middle of treatment, it's going to get better no matter which choice you've made. And, and I just, think we talked about this too. Just do what you can do. And know that the grass is always greener. Leanne and I have talked about this a lot personally about each other's choices that yeah. we've made just as friends. And um, the grass isn't always greener. It's just different, right? Yeah. Well, and you're going to have that looking back and wondering if you made the right choice no matter what you chose. Exactly. So. Exactly. Well, anyway, I really appreciate you, Leanne. I appreciate you being there to talk this out with. So thanks, Leanna. Thanks, Mimi, for giving me giving me some perspective and for being my sounding board, my cancer sounding board. We love it. All right. Thanks, Cancer. Thanks, Cancer. That was our episode. Thanks for listening to Thanks, Cancer. If you guys enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would give us a review on iTunes or Google Play. And you can find us on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook at Thanks, Cancer. And please, we'd love to hear from you your stories. Your protocols. Exactly. Advice that you have to share with the community. So send us your audio files at info at thanksCancer.com. Well, the traffic stopped, you lay on the horn and you ask yourself, where is my cancer unicorn? But we're at the gate with your cancer card, we're your passport date, cause cancer's damn hard, oh, thanks cancer, thanks cancer, thanks cancer, victories in the dark.